0: We start this week on, we go back into, I, could, I couldn't wait till start it. I almost started it in June because I felt the urgency of this series called Wait What? And it comes from the wait, what? Like, come on kids, uh, Papa and Grand Star are coming in, they're taking us to the Stony River. And the kids would say, wait, what? Run that back by one more time. Is that true? For real? And um, we're in a season in our world where crazy stuff is happening. It makes you say, wait, what? And um, there is a, a need for voices to stand up and say, wait, time out, what? No, not, not on our watch in Jesus' name. And so th- this is the series. And today I want to talk to you just about Maranatha, a word that means our Lord comes or Jesus is coming. And so I say to you today, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. Can I get a witness? Um, Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 is where we draw our text for this whole series. And I just want to remind you, this is one of those passages that's been misunderstood. And so it sets us up for poor experience because we've misunderstood it. And the prophet said, Look at the nations, and that's good for us to do right now. Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. And we read that and go, wow, that's sweet. And we don't realize, oh, wow, wait, what? And God, the next thing he says is, I'm raising up the Babylonians. And he did with Nebuchadnezzar. They came in and destroyed Jerusalem. That ruthless and impetuous people. And this is God saying, if I were to tell you about what I'm about ready to do, you wouldn't believe it. Because you probably wouldn't pick it, but it's going to be awesome. Because God can use anybody. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, you know my heart. This is not an easy series or an easy sermon. These are weighty matters when we start looking at what your word says about the end times and about prophetic truths that we are witnessing. They're taking place all All week long, this week in Hawaii, and the news and the fake news and the distortion and deception lies everywhere. And so, Lord, we ask for you to help us to be discerning people full of your spirit. And when we discern what you're showing us that we would not be alarmed, we would not be fearful, but that we would trust you as we sang earlier. Your words anoint it. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would come I've prepared myself best I can. Now we need that supernatural anointing, that thing that we can't see, but we know that presence is here, illuminating our minds. And it's more than a man who loves you and loves people up here talking about you. There's a transmission. There's an impartation. And I pray from young and old, male and female, in the name of Jesus, let it be right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, um, so what I'm about to preach is, is going to be a, wait, what? And a lot of it is not because it's not biblical. None of it's because it's unbiblical. It's because it's like, like pure, like 100-proof stuff, stuff that has been marginalized, and preachers have been afraid to talk about it for, for a few decades, and so it 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 can make you go, "Wait what?" and I just want to say the Bible is not a la carte. you don't get to pick the part you like and that suits your life philosophy you you It's from Genesis to revelation. Come on, can I get a witness and so the part you got to eat the broccoli, you got to eat the spinach, you do seriously, and you don't get dessert and and we've we've had thirty years of Preaching that is basically to sum it up. Hey, God, we're going to help you live your best life now. Because if you're living, if I can help you think about your best life, we can have our best crowds ever. And so that's, you know, I'm just reading through the scriptures and it, having a year like we've had this year. I'm so glad the Bible is, is true. Reading about Jeremiah. He was spot on as a prophet. And he got thrown in the cistern of a well for being faithful, telling people what God was saying, while there were some happy prophets, P-R-O-F-I-T-S, preaching, P-R-E-A-C-H-I-N-G, your best life now stuff that wasn't true. And so this morning, I just remind you that Jesus came and he was a big, wait, what? He said things that just, you couldn't believe, You. he said, um, let the dead bury the dead. Wait, what? He is picking it. He's like, hey, won't you come be my disciple? And God goes, yeah, I will. We got a family funeral. I'll be right G- Jesus said, no, let the dead bury the dead. He, he, wait, what? He said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. Wait, what? Yeah, I came to turn a, a man against his son. A daughter against her mother. Wait, what? Yeah, if you don't take up your cross, wait, cross? If you don't take up your cross, you're not worthy of following me. It's gigantic. Wait, what? And brothers and sisters, in this season, as we look around and we see insanity being made normalized, we're, we're a frog in a kettle that's heating up, but we're we're fat and happy and comfortable. This is not what I'd like to stand up and preach, but it is what needs to be preached this morning. Even to us, a pretty aggressive, biblically conservative, spirit-filled group of people who love the truth, even we out here in North Atlanta, we need to be stirred to realize common sense is uncommon right now. And I want to just take a break away from my direction on my sermon. I want to address something right now. Because there's a fear that begins to set in when you consider how messed up the world is right now. And that fear is, what about my children? What do I do in a, how do we survive chaos? We should ask ourselves that. The Bible addresses it. And we can and will a book i read restoring the early restoring the foundations of the church it's a self-titled book obscure you probably never heard of it it's written by mike and sue dogowitz and their website and it's old school stuff their website is of all things restorationministries.org and in that they write about they they went to jerusalem and spent 12 months on a kibbutz. First service I said it was 6 or 12, and I got a text from Os Hillman between services. He's the one that gave me that book years ago. He was listening in. Twelve, So they went to a Jewish community, a little kibbutz, where traditionally faithful Jewish values were held. And they went to do this research because what most people know, sociologists, Jewish people have an uncanny way of passing off their values. Traits, morals, and so Mike and Sue said, we want to figure out what's the secret? How are they doing this? Long story short, in that book, they said it's because every generation that's alive is engaged, impacting the youngest generation alive. What that means is parents made sure their children were exposed to their parents. Often. Lived together. And um, they noticed that around the world, and we're going to talk about this two different times, the Jewish people were dispossessed of their nation, scattered all over the world. How did they survive that? And then be brought back and have their language still It's never happened, it couldn't happen without a supernatural blessing. But to parents who are here right now, I want you to hear me. This is why Candace and I, raising our kids, we made sure, thankfully, my mom and dad, for almost 20 years, lived two miles away from us when we were raising our children. Candace's mom and dad, the Dixon family, it was very important that we do multi-generational vacations Holidays, and every time we could get together. And I would say to you, my kids would probably testify, and they would say their grandparents' impact on their life is probably equal to the impact their mother and father have had on them. And so, how do you survive in this season? If you have a godly, biblical, biblically faithful family, you need to make sure that your kids are engaged with your your family, so that they can, they catch those values. Um, and if you don't come from a family like that, Jack Hayford in his book, Glory on Your House, the Greek word or Hebrew word for house is oikos, which house is not just where your people live. House can be your closest friends too, your subculture. It can be your church. I'm talking to somebody, this isn't preachy, this is teachy. How are your kids, you know, now they have smartphones and they're going to spend so much time being impacted by other people. Um, If you don't follow this Instagram page, you should, Raising Teens Today. Um, The next slide, next picture, if you can pull up. A Harvard study found that 99% of your success depends on one thing, teenagers, who you associate with. You may not realize it, but you're like a chameleon. You can and will absorb the attitudes, opinions, and behaviors of those you choose to spend money with. If you spend time with winners and positive thinkers, you'll start to become like them. Spend time with negative underachievers, and you'll become like them. How many of you know it's important to choose your friends wisely? And I'll say to moms and dads, like, we had kids, a few of our kids received athletic scholarships. And we played high-level basketball and baseball. And kids ran competitively at high levels, like national races, even in high school. But we never, hear me, we never let that competitive joy and giftedness take the place, of the number one priority in our life, which was their spiritual well-being. And I I want, because I love you, and I'm a football player, football coach, Coach 23 teams, still love the game. Here's the deal. In this church, there, there are, you've got to take advantage. If you've got young children, they need to be all the way involved with Pastor Cindy and our children's ministry. It's, I'm, I'm not, you can, you can he's, this is self-serving. No, this is saving our children's what it is. Pastor Cindy is a legend. You could go there, 50 years, and you may never come across another children's pastor like her. Dylan and Caroline, they're not, that's not fun and games out there. They're a vertical youth group, for real. And what God, they've just been here a little over a year, and the foundation they're laying, 190 people uh, this past Wednesday night. We haven't had that crowd, crowds like that for 15 or 20 years in this church, in the youth ministry. Just, I'm begging, I'm begging you. Don't wait till your children's 21. It's easier to reach them now than repair them later. Are you hearing me? The, the well, our college ministry, shout out to the young adults. How many of the kids from the, well, young adults from the well are here? Would you just raise, I want would you all stand, I want the well to stand. Look around here. Isn't that incredible? Thank you all. I'm I'm telling you, if you don't follow the well or the overflow on Instagram, you should. Every other Friday night, they're getting on MARTA, taking over a whole tree. This This was our burden and desire. Oh God, give us a group, a young, give us the next generation. This so pleases the heart of God that in this church, fastest growing segment of our church is 24 years and younger. It's incredible. Yeah. And so you kids going down to, on Piedmont, Buckhead, Midtown, witnessing on Friday nights. That's what I'm talking about. Wait, what? Is that awesome or what? So I, 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 wanna, I took that time to go surviving in a chaotic culture. How do we do it? And we get, where we're going, you're going to go, oh, my kids. So what do we do? Keep having kids. I, just, I didn't do this in the first service. We had a, a line of people wanting prayer between services, people who are expecting. If you're, and I know you are. If you're expecting right now, I just want you to stand. Husband and wife, just stand. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. We speak, these are children that God is going to use and fear will not rule in this hour. This is an incubator. This is a greenhouse for world changers at Restoration Church. That's what we're going to speak over. Would you just stretch your hands to these parents right now? Just just speak. Just pray. In Jesus' name, over every little boy and every little girl, we thank you that they are children of promise. And we're going to come along and be an Aaron and a herd. We're going to create a culture in this church. We're going to help these parents raise great young men, great young women in Jesus' name and for his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like I could just, we could go home now. You know how important this is, what we're talking about. You know, these, these kids coming in here now, they're in big church. Y'all behave, set a good example for them. In our kibbutz, have good values because they're watching. Worship with all your heart. Take notes, bring your Bible. If you do it, they'll do it. Amen. All right, I need to get back on my sermon. All right. That other picture, Tracy, that you, you pulled up. Wait, what? If you're not following Miles Rutherford over in West Cobb, you should. His post and his book that's about to come out, basically, it's time to speak up. And in this church, it's time for us. I must speak up. You must speak up. We all must speak up. Because these are things that you can't talk about. You can't ask questions about. But we must. Isn't it crazy to live in a culture where we're being told what to believe and the majority of us know that's not true. That's what's happening. What's happened in Hawaii this week? We're not being told the truth. Looks like seeing out of the book of the movie, The Book of Eli is what it looks like. It's crazy. And if we don't stand up and speak out, even if we do stand up, stuff may happen. Carter Conlon told me two weeks ago, If you're going to preach in this day, you got to go ahead and be willing to be put in jail for what you're going to preach. And he didn't just tell me. He's telling pastors that all over the world because it's happening. Have you seen the movie The Essential Church? It's critical what's happening in this hour. The last three and a half years have been crazy. But the Bible tells us. gives us the remedy. So what do we do? Um, I want to set the stage by where I was yesterday with the men out in the gym at the real men breakfast. Look at this, what Ezekiel says. Before you pull that up, everybody listen. Just, I'm, this ain't gonna be orthodox, but I wanna deliver something to you. So this is the passage where God says, I sought for a man, just one. And I couldn't find even one. And he said, if I could have, I could have saved the whole nation. So this is where we're going. And look at the parallels for them and for us. This is in the message translation. It says, your priests violated my law and desecrated my holy things. They they can't tell the difference between sacred and secular. These are the priests, not the politicians. They tell people, there's no difference between right and wrong. They're contemptuous of my holy Sabbaths, profaning me by trying to pull me down to their level. Look, your politicians are like, Wolves prowling and killing and rapaciously, which means um, exceedingly greedy. I know we don't know any politicians like that, but that's what that word means. Taking whatever they want. And look at this. Your preachers cover up for the politicians. How? By being cowards. Not, Not willing to speak up. Politicians, by pretending to have received visions and special revelations, they say, this is what God, the master, says. When God hasn't said so much as one word, extortion is rife. Rife is, means abundant, plentiful. Extortion's everywhere. Robbery is epidemic. The, the poor and needy are abused. Outsiders are kicked around at will with access to justice. And this is where God says, everybody listen, get this in your spirit. I looked for someone One, to stand up for me against all this, to repair the defenses of the city, to take a stand for me and stand in the gap to protect this land so I wouldn't have to destroy it. I couldn't find anyone, not one. In this church, I pray that God will find dozens, if not hundreds, of men and women who will stand in the gap in this hour. And if there's not any, you got one in your pastor. I'm I'm standing up on our behalf. Follow after me. Are you ready to stand up? Are you ready to stand in the gap? All right. Now, we start talking end time stuff. It gets controversial. And I'm going to do the best I can. But we're going, I'm coming in hot this fall. I've had a bunch of weeks off from the pulpit and I'm coming in hot. Jesus is going to return at some point. Life on planet earth as we know it at some point is going to come to an end. I think we're in a season where one of two things is about to happen. In this chaos, the world's falling apart. God's putting the church back together. In this chaos, God is either going to use this and bring a revival Or it's going to get worse, and we're going to see the mark of the beast, the tribulation, and we're going to see the Antichrist. One of those two things is about to happen. I don't think we're just going to go back to normal. I think either a revival is going to come in this. I hope a revival comes even if the other is coming, so that we can enlarge and get more of our loved ones to go to heaven with us. But one of the and and if revival doesn't come and the other happens, it's not gonna be a bad thing. It's gonna be a good thing. And as it gets the very worst, we'll be out of here. Now, Mark chapter 13, verse seven and eight, this, these are, this is Jesus. He said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. And here's what he says. These are the beginning of birth pains. All of you in the coming weeks and months that are expecting, you know those contractions hit. They're mild. It's a long time before another. Then they get closer. They get more acute, more painful, more frequent. And, and Jesus said, that's what it's gonna be like. And brothers and sisters, unlike any t- other time in history, it's like time has been compre- compressed. We talk about it ad nauseum, but don't be a frog in the kettle. Here's the deal, the birth pains, the contractions are happening almost weekly, almost daily now, and they're acute, what's going on in the earth. If you're paying attention, so here's a book in my library. It's 660 some pages. Every prophecy of the Bible by John Wolverton. Listen closely for the next ten minutes. He was the chancellor, the president of Dallas Theological Seminary. He's been called of prophecy teachers. In this book, he identifies 1,000 prophecies in the Bible. 500 of them have been fulfilled according to his book. 30% of the Bible is prophecy, 30%. Most of that is about the time that we're living in today. And the single most significant truth in all the Bible prophecies is the return of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? That's what we're interested in. The return of Jesus is mentioned 329 times in the Bible. There are 216 chapters in the New Testament, and the return of Jesus is mentioned 318 times. One out of 30 verses in the New Testament talk about Jesus returning. Only four books in the New Testament do not talk about the return of Jesus at all, but they're very short books. And so the only one that can foretell the future is the one who controls the future. Your atheist friends may ask, how can the Bible foretell the future so accurately? Well, our God who inspired the writing of the Bible is in control of the future. It's that simple. Did you hear what I just said? Um, In the book, it points out the Albert Einstein who founded um, the Doomsday Clock. Fascinating reading about end times from people who are not even spiritual, faithful people. And it's uh, thebulletin.org. And you can see the picture behind me. At the beginning of 2023, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, considering nuclear power, threats in the world, famines, wars, wars, said that we're at about a hundred seconds of time left before the end of time. In spring of this year, they adjusted it to 90 seconds. How do we know, for sure, that we're living in the end times? Thirty percent, almost one third of the Bible, is prophecy. It's the most this is the most prophesied about time in all of history right now that we live in. The Bible tells us exactly what will happen in the end times. And I'm gonna show you, uh, there's one big thing I want to deliver that I want. I pray that everybody in here can just embrace and understand. It's empirical, this isn't theory or logic, this is stuff that's happened, factual, that the Bible speaks about, that give us a clear indicator that these are the end times. I'm I'm sorry, the book of Joel in chapter three, verse one and two says, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, Israel, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means the Lord judges. It'll be a valley of judgment. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. And what we see right here is God says, I will draw my people back and I will give them back the land that I originally deeded to them. I want to pause here and say, um, there are ideas in this congregation of replacement theology where the church took the place of the Jewish people. And while Galatians teaches that we are the seed of Abraham, fully grafted in, God still has a promise to His people, the Jewish people who have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah, and He has a promise to that deeded land that He made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12. And and that land is the holy land for a reason. It's the most strategic real estate in the earth, spiritually speaking. And it's critical that we understand That God is using us Gentiles who have accepted the Messiah to provoke them to go, I want what you have. And when they find out we have received your Messiah and he has become our Messiah too. That's a short version of what could, and in this series we'll talk about. But I don't want you to be mistaken because political correctness could make you go, God of justice, I just don't see in today's world. And that's the weight, what? Because our whole deal on race, our whole deal on politics has jacked us up to not be able to receive and understand end times theology. Now, you need to know, Israel has been dispossessed twice and they miraculously came back to be a nation. 500 years B.C., because of their sins, God allowed the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, to defeat the Jews. And he took them out of their homeland. Um, A.D. 70, the second time it happened, Jesus prophesied this in Luke 21 and Matthew 24. And the Roman general Titus with a Roman legion came and defeated the Jews, killed over one million Jews, destroyed Jerusalem, unthinkably destroyed the temple and raised the temple mount and took the remaining Jews hostage back to Rome and then they scattered from then all over the world. For 1,900 years they were scattered. And historically, that is an amazing thing to think about for 1,900 years. And then in some of the people in this room in your lifetime, May 14, 1948, God brought them back. Israel came into existence again overnight as a nation. In Isaiah chapter 11, God says that I will again gather my people unheard of to be dispossessed twice and become a nation again. And Isaiah chapter 66 speaks of that miraculous happening. Says in verse 8, who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than, boom, she gives birth to her children. And I'm telling you, I want you to understand the importance of this historical fact. The rebirth of Israel as a nation was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 66. Going to the New Testament. Matthew 24, Jesus speaks in verse 32 through 35. Now learn this lesson from from the fig tree. And throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, the fig tree is symbolic of the people of God, the nation of Israel. And he's he's speaking about the end times because the disciples just ask him, what's it going to be like? And he says, when you see the fig tree, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so... When you see all these things, you know that it is near, the end time, right at the door. Truly I tell you, the generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And then he tacks on, verse 35, well-known verse of Scripture. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Listen closely. Jesus tells us that the generation that sees the beginning of the end Israel being formed as a nation. We'll see the end of the end. And the end started in 1948. So the last day began. Take a picture of this or put it on your hard drive. Every generation has had signs of the end times, right? Earthquakes, famines, an evil person that everybody thought was the antichrist. But we are the only generation that has had the existence of Israel. Y'all still out there? So think, you've got to catch this as a student of the Bible. 80 years ago, 1943, before Israel had become a nation, basically no end times prophecy had been fulfilled. None. And that's what makes this season so different. Israel has to exist for dozens of end times prophecies to come true. For instance, there, for there to be a covenant with the Antichrist in Israel, they have to be a nation. For the abomination of desolation that Daniel speaks about to take place, they have to be a nation. And there has to be a rebuilt in a temple. For the two witnesses to come, there has to be the existence of Israel. And they have existed since 1948. Jesus says, the generation that saw 1948 happen will see the end of all things fulfilled. So the big question you would ask is, how long is the generation, right? How long do we have? The Bible interprets the Bible. The questions the Bible asks, the Bible answers. And Psalms 90 says, the days of a man's life are 70 years. Some of y'all are on borrowed time right now. And then it goes on and says, or if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. So 75 to 80 years is what the Bible says. Or 80 years, 70 or 80 years. And I'll let you do the math. How long has Israel been a nation? 75 years. Please listen closely. In God's mind, the end times is compressed times. The contractions come, and it, and it won't go on for two or 300 years. Another book in my library is the book Eye to Eye, William Koenig, and look what, it's called, what it says, the subtitle, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel. In it, look at the subtitle. One, there are 126 specific examples when the United States, along with the UN mostly, tried to force Israel to give up land and historical disasters have happened in the US as a result. Hold on to your seats, not sensationalizing, empirical, factual stuff. Two examples of the 126. 2005, under the George Bush administration, W, the US forced Israel along with the UN, to give up the Gaza Strip, that beautiful land on the Mediterranean. It's a lucrative piece of land. Palestinians said, if you give us that land, we'll be at peace. They gave them the Gaza Strip, and they shoot rockets out of it almost immediately into Jerusalem. Five days later, Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast. More damage than any other natural disaster in the history of the United States. Five days later, historic damage. Jewish rabbis connected the events and called out the U.S. for doing it. 2021, more recently, a tornado, an F4 tornado that was, an F4 tornado is winds from 207 miles an hour to 259 miles an hour. 230 miles long hit four states. Most of the damage was in Kentucky. In that exact same time period, we don't know this. We should, but it doesn't get reported. The exact same time, the Biden administration was trying to force the Israelis to stop building 9,000 houses in a settlement in East Jerusalem because the Biden administration does not recognize East Jerusalem as belonging to the Jews. They believe it should belong to the Palestinians. They are trying to pressure the Israelis to give up East Jerusalem, the West Bank, and the strategic Golan Heights. What that means is that 200,000 Jews lost their homes in East Jerusalem. 400,000 Jews lost their homes in the West Bank, and they gave up the Golan Heights, which is strategically very, from a military standpoint, very strategic and you you can think what you want this is not political this is factual and i'm not promoting any the former president over this president but the trump administration recognized jerusalem as belonging to israel and we put our embassy there and this is not a pro trump statement the trump administration recognized jerusalem as the capital he was the first world leader since King Cyrus of Persia to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. There's no way us in, that we could appreciate the significance and the uniqueness of that. And so you look at all of this and you go, what in the world is going, wait, what is happening? And that's a good question. And it's way beyond politics. In God's mind, the end started May 14th, 1948. When the Iron Curtain fell in 1991, 1.1 million Jews immigrated from Russia back to Israel. Since 1948, Jews have been returning. Over 3 million have returned to that little country that's barely the size of New Jersey, returned to their homeland that God promised made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, miraculously used Moses to deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage, that Joshua miraculously crossed the Jordan River to get them in there and then to fight 31 battles for God to give them that land. How do we know for sure, Pastor Chuck, that we are living in the end times? The existence of Israel Israel is the super sign and the stopwatch of the end times. Everything starts there and everything ends there and ultimately will end with Armageddon. So, how do we respond? Number one, we never forget our God is in absolute control always has been and he always will be and you cannot forget that number two you have to understand all of these world leaders Vladimir Putin Joe Biden Donald Trump George W Bush and others they are just puppets God's puppets they may be evil worldly puppets but that's all they are. The Bible says he holds their heart in his hand like a drop of water. He can go whoop, whoop. God is in control. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, I want that in your head and in your heart and in your mouth. Because fear, that's going to come later. Revelation 21, eight, cowards and fear, pharmakia. The stuff that's happening, the spirits that are unleashed on us. Now, secondly, how do we respond? We never forget God is in control. Secondly, we understand these leaders, God's puppet. God will use them ever how he wants to use them. We wouldn't believe it if God told us what he's doing. We wouldn't believe it. And then number three, we need to understand that the end times are God's times. Y'all out there? And so let me move away from my notes for a second. And let me just encourage you. In a nation where we've grown up hearing sermons about how to be blessed, we're vulnerable to understanding these days. And so i got to tell you as your pastor, heaven's not going to be a bad deal the rapture of the church, ever how it's going to happen. I don't know exactly how. I don't know when. Jesus doesn't even know when. But it's not going to be a bad event. Going to heaven is not going to be a downgrade from North Atlanta. Listen. Like, not even close. I got so much in me. You are not a physical being who occasionally has spiritual experiences. You're a spiritual being and you are having a 70 or 80 year or 90 year or 93 if your name is Mary Louise. You're having a temporary, it's going to be a bleep in light of eternity. You are wired and hear me, you're not going to get to heaven. Some of you North Atlantans need to hear me what I'm about to say. You're not going to get to heaven and go, I missed 38. Remember when we used to go across the street on our bikes and get coffee in the morning? Yeah, and put sunscreen on. Are y'all out there? Like, hey, heaven, Jesus said, don't be, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. The longer he's gone, the more I think, that's a pretty dang good place he's building for us. And so I I love you enough to tell you the truth and even let you get a little bit long-faced because you're sitting here going, you need to read the Bible. The Bible tells us this stuff's happening. Let me tell you something. I didn't say all this in the first service. There is so much truth that we are unaware of. Most of us aren't even wired to be able to receive it right now. We got a lot of awake people up in here, but we've been lied to. There is wicked, evil stuff happening in our nation. And just this movie and the awareness, I'm I'm reminded if you're new to here, we fasted for 40 days and when COVID hit, the Lord spoke to us. I was praying right here by myself. And the Lord said, I'm getting ready to expose everything and everyone, good and bad. And we need it to be exposed. And so as it's being exposed, you know, if you would just read the Bible, you would be amazed at how much stronger you are. Banks caught me a couple weeks ago and he said, Dad, can you imagine if the church just read the Bible and did what it told them to do? It takes a 24-year-old that. And Paul said when he started talking about to the Thessalonians, he said, hey, Jesus is going to come, and it's going to be like blinking of an eye, which is 1 of a second. He's going to come that quick. And Paul said, and the people who are dead will be raised to life, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up and meet him in the air. And they must have been getting long-faced, like some of you right now. And Paul said, comfort one another with these words. Encourage one another. And that's why in Corinthians, he wrote that whole letter in Greek. He gets to the last chapter, the last couple verses in his first letter to him. And he writes, Greek, 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 Greek. And then he throws in this Aramaic word and he says, Maranatha. It was like a secret code word. Don't forget, Jesus is coming. I think the church has forgotten Maranatha. Encourage one another. Turn to somebody right now and say, Maranatha, not Maranero.